I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook. Not seeing the value of yourself impacts your confidence, impacts how you can speak up, impacts your just seeing your expertise and your value. That's another part of professional anxiety is if we're living week to week from our pay to pay, that all has an impact on ourselves and on our anxiety levels too. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. I'm Elena, as you all know, and today I'm joined by Lauren Bell. Lauren is a registered nurse. She's been a registered nurse for over 35 years. She's also a wellness and wealth coach, thought leader, international speaker, and a co-author of the Anxiety Relief Handbook, which I am also a co-author of, as you all know. Lauren's joined me before to discuss the book, and today we are actually going to jump into a conversation about professional anxiety and unpack that a bit. Welcome to the show again, Lauren. It's lovely to have you on again. Thank you. It's always lovely to be here with you, Elena. So Lauren and I have been chatting And we're actually facilitating a workshop in August around professional anxiety. And we just thought we would jump on and do an uh, episode of the podcast about professional anxiety and unpack it a bit because anxiety is a lot more prevalent in the nursing workforce than we actually give it credit for sometimes. So we just thought we would have a little chat about it and how it could be showing up in your life. Yeah, I feel that um, anxiety, really, we don't speak about it. We do notice and speak about stress, but we don't tend to refer to it as anxiety. And yet through lots of conversations I've been having with doctors and other nursing staff, anxiety is so much more prevalent and it's informing our practice and how we're treating each other. You know, I've been questioning why is it not always 
a nice place to work in the healthcare arena. And I wondered whether it was to do with compassion fatigue, but actually many people have said they actually think it's part of anxiety and our coping. And so it just is how we react under stress. Yeah, because when we're highly stressed, we are more reactive. We don't have the brain capacity to be thinking clearly and so we're actually in reaction phase, aren't we? We're not in responding and we're just reacting to some circumstances. We're really in survival mode. Yeah, totally. The executive functioning's gone. So we're down there in that lizard brain, it gets called, or, you know, the lower part of our brain because that prefrontal cortex is shutting down when we're highly stressed. Yeah, and we can't see when we're under stress and in fight and flight, we actually can't see solutions to our problems. So we, we've only got the very immediate reaction and we go with that. And that's why often I think there's, in retrospect, we look back perhaps at how we might have spoken to somebody or, or someone spoke to us and we might think, Oh, I wish I had have said this or I wish I didn't say that or, you know, certain circumstances. Um, and I think a lot of the time, we're under pressure and just responding to that stress and not really thinking about the impact it has on us or on the other people who are receiving it. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we can only be responsible for ourselves and not for others. So if we've got a level of self-awareness about how we are acting and how we're reacting to a situation that we're in, then we can take responsibility for how we're responding. Yeah, and one of the things that I love reminding myself and, and others too is how contagious anxiety and those sorts of toxic emotions, how actual contagious they really are. But also peace is too. Peace and, you know, that calmness is also contagious too. So, the person who is most dedicated to that energy really in a way has the ability to influence the whole room, the whole working area. And so it is about taking responsibility for are you being a drain, are you contributing to a toxic culture or are you actually lightening the load and helping people to perhaps be in a more calmer and more productive space? Yeah, it, it's so fascinating how that all plays out, you know, and how that works, that that influence that we have on others without even realising that we have it at times, especially when we are feeling highly stressed because it is the ripple effect, you know, and the ripple effect can be positive or negative. And it just, as you said, you know, it just takes one to make the change between the two. Yeah, but it does, it takes a, like if it's already quite toxic, it's it's very easy to get pulled into it, even when you're really generally very, very good. And of course, other factors come into play too. You know, how tired are you? Did you sleep well overnight? What else is going on in your life? And so where you might normally be pretty good at being able to stay in touch with your own reaction and and maintain that attitude there's times when you just get completely pulled out. Yeah, you do. Because even like 
the most practiced person in mindfulness and self-awareness can still get sucked in. You know, I find myself getting sucked in sometimes, but it's about having that level of self-awareness to realize when you are going into that vortex and to make a change of direction and head back out the other way again. And I've been, you know, exactly the same. I've been sucked in too and not even realised at the time. It wasn't until reflection later. It's like, oh, and as an empath, which I think a lot of heart-centred caring people really are more empathic than they perhaps understand, which is we actually do take it on board into our bodies or into our thoughts and thinking and we can feel what another person's going. So if you're with a person who's very highly stressed, very anxious at the time. And that's happened to me when someone was taking over, you know, on the evening shift, they were taking over my care of the patient and them being quite anxious. Actually, I didn't realise, but I got quite caught into it. And that was partly was because, yeah, I hadn't slept well and all these other factors. But I didn't recognise at the time. And then afterwards, it was later, I was like, ah, so that's what really happened. And then we'd had a bit of a conversation that didn't go as well as I would normally have liked. And so afterwards, I was able to sort of speak up to it. So I think that's the other part. It's just being that vulnerable and saying, you know what, I actually wasn't on my game today. And, you know, sorry if if I didn't speak to you well or and and that's you know me being sort of quite a sensitive person that likes to sort of make sure everybody's okay and the other person responded with I didn't even notice what are you talking about so here's me beating myself up sort of you know into the evening that night and she was absolutely fine but actually it still felt good to sort of bring it to attention because it was good for me to unpack and look at it and see what had happened and why I had reacted in the way that I did. Yeah it's interesting isn't it I remember there's not that long ago I'd had a terrible morning with the kids trying to get out the door to work and I walked into the department and someone said what's wrong with you because I think I just had a face on that day because I just you know I'd been pushed to my limits with the morning rush and getting ready and I said look I'm really sorry I am really stressed out right now and I said to my colleagues if I bite your head off don't take it personally it's me having a bad day you know I'm sorry and I said sorry in advance and I didn't bite anyone's head off or you know didn't come to anything but I just I was so aware that I wasn't my usual self that morning until I kind of snapped myself out of it again yeah, and what's beautiful about that is that, you know, your openness to it, firstly, you're labeling it for what it is. So it's giving that acknowledgement of how you're really feeling and sort of permission to do that. And then that's also going to invoke compassion and understanding from other people because we've all been in that situation. And that reminds me of someone who said exactly the same thing the other day, that they were not feeling themselves and that they were feeling rather harried and pushed. And so everyone was more caring and attentive because they announced it early. And I think that's what's really good. I mean, sometimes after someone's been speaking, you know, might be <laughs> might bite your head off or whatever and not the right word I want to use but we can sometimes then also look and go okay I wonder what's going on in their life you know when we're in this place of being able to sort of see the bigger picture rather than just be brought into the same situation as the other person's feeling yeah because we've all got 
stuff going on in our lives outside of work, you know, and you don't know what anyone's going through, really. You only see a snippet of their life. So it is coming from that place of compassion. And I think when you can label it like I did that morning, you're offering yourself the same compassion because you're giving them all a heads up and saying, look, I'm not on my game today or, you know, I'm not my usual bubbly self. I'm sorry. And then no. Yeah, I agree. I think so much of it. And that's, you know, I use tapping a lot to reduce stress and anxiety. And the biggest part of that in so much is that it's acknowledging where we're really at. And it's not trying to dismiss it, push it down or hide it. It's actually just saying it for what it is. And that seems to be so releasing for our stress response and allow us to move into a place where we can feel a lot more supported by ourselves, by others, and, you know, see a bigger picture and problem solve from a different viewpoint. Yeah, tapping's a great in-the-moment resource, because, and I often do, and it's you that taught me it, Lauren, you know, I'll tap on my collarbone and I just speak it all out loud. And it does, it totally just resets everything and gets you back kind of in this clear headspace. Yeah, and the good thing about it too is that even in the moment, if you don't know, like I was saying before, I didn't realise what was going on for me at the time. I just knew that I wasn't sort of feeling great and I was reactive. Then afterwards I was able to sort of help clear the the the, the guilt or the feelings that I was feeling by using some tapping. Yeah, another great way is to take some really big, deep belly breaths because that then sends the chemicals up to the the hypothalamus, you know, to let the amygdala know that everything's okay and you're not actually running away from a tiger like it thinks you are when you're stressed. So we automatically start to shallow breathe when we're stressed. So by taking those big, deep breaths, it does start to regulate everything again. Yeah, that's right. There's there's so many tips and tools that we can use and we do need to know sort of what they are in the normal moment so that we can call on them in when we're needing the resources because they don't, unless it's something well-practiced, they don't really come first to mind. But some of these things are so simple. And I still remember one of our other calls where you one of your ways to decompress from stress is to really shake your body and to move it, which is is exactly what animals do in nature. Yeah, it's um, something that I've done intuitively for a long time. Like I used to, I think I've shared in the podcast before, It was I think it was when we were talking about the book. And, you know, I used to get up out of bed if I couldn't sleep because I would feel anxious and it gets trapped in my my. ACF like in my arms and I would just get up and shake my arms and jump about my ex-husband used to be like you're nuts but it worked and I got back into bed and I fell asleep yeah I think it's amazing because as you said it's intuitive and I think some of these other things that we do you know like we might you know rub our hands together or they're ways of actually self-soothing that we're probably not aware of that we're doing at the time and yet we're intuitively doing some things to help us but there are some added tools that we can really bring into it but we've started today talking about the prevalence of anxiety in the workplace and you and I did discuss like just under if you're looking at it from a holistic point of view just so many places and things that there could be reasons causing anxiety for us and of course we're all going to be slightly different but there's some general ones as well 
Yeah, and Lauren and I were trying to decide how to address this beforehand. This episode's been a, about a week or so in the making. So we thought we would break it down into the five aspects, and we've actually added a couple more in as well that we thought would be appropriate to address. So we'll just start by going through them. So, And we're going to relate it all back to our roles as nurses as well. I mean, we've obviously, as we've already said, we've all got things going on in our personal lives. So this is mainly focusing on our roles as nurses and what's happening in our professional lives that could be invoking extra stress for us. So we started off with, we looked at physical stress. So things we came up with for the physical stress were things like, you know, we work long hours. We do, as nurses, we work long shifts. I mean, Lauren and I are both perioperative nurses. So theatre does dictate that often you end up doing 10 to 12 hour shifts. And that in itself can induce a lot of stress in our bodies. And it can be a long time on your feet too. You know, I know, especially I, I don't do the um, scrub scout sort of side of it, but particularly for some of those uh, staff, you know, standing for long hours and, and they tell me that their feet are, you know, and we, I mean, I think all nurses really re reflect a lot of walking, a lot of moving. And that's one of the things I do love about my job, but there's days that I come home and, you know, I'm tired, I'm sore in my hips and I can't sleep lying on them and, you know, a bit of a massage is probably a good thing to do, but it usually takes me until several nights of not being able to sleep before I'll actually then think, oh, I think it's time that I go and do something about this. Yeah, and as you said, you know, we walk keys and keys. Any of us who wear Fitbits or we carry, you know, devices in our pockets or whatever that measure, I think it's quite normal for nurses to do well in excess of their 10,000 steps a day because we're just on the move all the time. Yeah, that's right. And then the physical aspects too is like, you know, stress in itself with increased cortisol you know, there's been big correlations to weight gain. And, you know, there's, I read a statistic the other day that something like 54% of nurses are actually overweight. And I think stress actually has more to do with that than what we're recommending. Part of it's that we don't eat well and, you know, we might be eating late in the day or we're, by the time we get home, we're done and dusted and the thought of actually preparing a meal you know, we end up eating the other day I had crumpets and soup for tea, which was not <laughs> not the best dinner. But I relate to needing to do meal prepping as a way of supporting myself. Yeah, most definitely. I'm the same because if I don't have something prepared, it's usually chips and dip for me, <laughs> which is not healthy. That's right. And then there's also the other aspect about what are we doing to calm down. And for a lot of the times it, you know, it could be sitting on the couch watching Netflix or having a glass of wine because it's like finally at the end of the day. But that's not necessarily healthy ways to have self-care. And yes, it's fine sometimes, but if that's the only way you're caring for yourself, then it's probably not really addressing the true stress response that's going on in your body. Yeah, I always encourage my nursing colleagues to get out into nature because it's such a good 
stress relief. You know, we work in these fluorescently lit clinically like white boxes that are so far from the natural world. It's not funny. So when we um, get rub back out into nature and reconnect with the natural world that in itself is very therapeutic for our stress levels yeah totally and i mean you know at the end of the day when you turn off machinery and things like that you realize just how loud everything has been it's like this big relief when i turn off the anesthetic machine i was like gosh i didn't even realize how much that's operating and running in the background and that's only one tiny part of all the noise that's going on all the time you know yeah, it's like, well, I'm in Paku and that constant beeping of all the monitors, you know, yeah. it's not to like you say, you know, at the end of the day, they've all gone quiet and it's like, oh, it's so quiet because it is, it's all that sensory overload, you know, and we're constantly being stimulated visually and hearing wise as well. And mentally, because we're always anticipating, you know, what's going on, what could be going wrong, what's, you know, preparing for the next. Like, it, there's just so much that, that we, you know, we're not sort of just even don't really acknowledge. And they're just the basic parts of our nursing role, let alone, you know, toxic environments or cultures that don't support us or, and, and big parts of that are related to the financial burden of health and, the hierarchy that we're in and there's just so many aspects that are always just part of our normal and I loved when someone said to you what you were talking about a normal day and they said Elena that's not normal but for <laughs> but for you as a nurse it's like part of normal it's like okay just get on with it deal with it but we don't do we really deal with it or is it just being this chronic stress burden in our body yeah, it's like we've normalised, you know, not having our breaks, working below staff ratios, patient ratios. It has become normal. And, yeah, it takes someone from the outside looking in to go, what the heck is going on? I mean, I read this study on LinkedIn last year, and it was written by someone who works in the corporate sector. I can't remember which sector exactly it was. And they were analysing the healthcare business model. And they said, you know, it relies so heavily on the goodwill of the staff. It just wouldn't float anywhere else. Which brings up more stresses that we were talking about because how many times do you get asked to stay back or maybe not even asked, just assumed, and yet you've got some commitment at home, a family birthday or a child to pick up or it doesn't really matter or even if it is to cook dinner for the family or you promised your partner that you were going to do something, whatever. It, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter whether you've got children or not. All of us have these other lives that we're trying to so-called balance and I heard a thing the other day saying that they hate this idea of life balance because it's it's really impossible and it really needs to be a reflection of what's good for you what is a good balance for you and so being able to say no at times without feeling guilty no that's not going to work for me to stay back today I do need to go or I have an appointment, or we shouldn't even have to give an excuse. You know, no is a sentence in itself. It's like, can you stay? No. 
Yeah, exactly. We shouldn't have to justify why we are saying no. It's like, yeah, as she said, no is a sentence. And this segues beautifully into the emotional stress that we'd um, spoken about as well. So, you know, when it comes to the emotional stress, it's that like you Lauren has just beautifully said, you know, being asked and that level of expectation that's there. And there's this fear inside some of us. And I know it used to be very prevalent in myself of saying no and feeling like I don't want to let the team down. But at the end of the day, if we're not looking after ourselves, then we're not really being a good teammate because we're not turning up as the best versions of ourselves. So it is so important to look after ourselves. Yeah, totally. And it can't, can actually, you know, have that greater impact where suddenly then you're sick and you can't turn up and, you know, you're entitled to sick leave and things like that too. And yet, you know, that moment before you make that phone call to say that you're not coming in today, I mean, the amount of stress that can cause, all of those things, because we do feel for our team, we don't want to let people down we know that if I don't call if I call in today um you know if I'm on the ward perhaps well then maybe the team has to pick up just extra workload because I might not be able to cover staff and things like that it's there's so much that rides on it let alone when cultures are not supportive and people aren't looking out for being kind and caring and compassionate to each other yeah and it it's really sad that we feel that way about calling in sick, that we feel like we're letting people down because we work in such a caring profession. You know, it just it just makes me sad that that's how, how it kind of plays out. Yeah. I used to be, I mean, particularly on my sort of mental health aspect, if I needed to have some time off, you know, I would ring in sick. But same, I would be deliberating about it. But I'd say to my partner, he, you know, he would comment and I'd say, but how can I be caring for someone else when I barely got anything left to give? And, you know, as we've talked about before, and I did go through a burnout journey as so many people in nursing and healthcare do. And like looking back on it now, the level of stress that I was under and no wonder I was needing to ring in sick. You know, there was, that was the only way I could manage my own healthcare at this, at that time until I actually got through it enough to really look at it, name it for what it was and then start making changes in my life to, to be able to deal with it. And now I, I still can go through periods where I feel burnt out, but I'm so much more aware. I'm like hypervigilant to it now. And often it's because I haven't given myself a day off on the weekend. You know, working my own business is something that I really love and enjoy, but there's always more to do and there's always things that I want to do. So there's this sort of what I have to do, what I want to do, and then feeling as though there's not enough time to do it all, which is not really true, but it's, it's a, it is the way we sort of are brought up and, and this high achieving, wanting to get so much done and to make impacts and things like that, it does have a burden on us as well. So that overwhelm and there's just, yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening to you thinking, yep, 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 ticking all off in my head too at the same time, you know. I am exactly the same, you know, and I can find myself, especially on the weekends, 
going and doing work for Happy Nurse. And I think, Elena, you're working seven days a week. You need to stop this. And I have become a lot more aware of it recently. And I have been actually taking complete days off where I don't do any clinical work or anything with Happy Nurse because I was, I could feel myself starting to get pulled into that vortex of going down that burnout spiral. And I thought, no, this isn't good for the brand. So <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> we can't sort of speak it. But I felt that too after writing the book. It was actually quite interesting. But I went into a phase of feeling quite burnt out sort of business-wise. And it was funny, but we'd been in lockdown in Melbourne. And so that was around about the time that we went back to work. So I just down-tooled and, and tools. And in actual fact, my Mac happened to going to break down and was taken away from me for repair for over two weeks, which I couldn't believe at the time. I thought I was dropping it off for, you know, a few hours. And I'm like, how am I going to cope? What can I do? Well, once again, thank you, universe, because it was the best rest that I could have. And I was able to just focus on nursing as another outlet and just sort of go, okay, don't need to worry about any of this right now. And so, yeah, it's easy because we have these visions and plans and dreams about what we want to do or high ideals or high expectations. And, you know, it means that we're trying to live up to this standard a lot of the time that is probably unrealistic. Yeah, and that's where the self-compassion comes in. You know, we have to offer ourselves that compassion and let ourselves just rest because, if we just go, 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 we eventually just crash. We need to factor in the rest period so that we can do these sprints in life and yeah. then have a rest. And working out what the rest is, you know, mm. what rest really does fill you up, fill your cup, because as we spoke earlier, the Netflix and a glass of wine might not actually be doing the rest really that you need. And it could be that you need some days off and time away and get out of town or whatever. And it's been hard with COVID as well. It's impacting travel plans and accommodation and all sorts of things. Yeah. And I think we forget as well when we're going back to the emotional stress, we forget that we're constantly being exposed to to trauma and suffering, you know, in our roles, which sets us up for being candidates for compassion fatigue and vicarious trauma if we're not looking after ourselves. And then the other part of that, I agree, is that sometimes we want to do more for our patients or give more or, or we can see where there's a lack and now we're going into that moral conflict. And so that moral injury has a big impact on burnout and how we feel about our role in the job and the in the job that we've done for the day. Yeah, definitely. And in the countries that have been really heavily affected by COVID, and I know you guys in Victoria have as well, and at the moment in New South Wales, the extra moral obligations of the nurses over there at the moment is massive because, you know, there's families not being allowed to be in with loved ones. They are, you're their only kind of line to the outside world. And that takes a huge toll on our emotions as well. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I think Australia overall has been fairly exempt, but there's been a few nurses that have been very impacted who are working, you know, intensive cares and things. And I know 
family, friends that, that couldn't see their loved ones and had to make the decision, you know, do I go and see and then have to isolate? And, you know, the father passed away. And so the decision was not to see him because she needed her family around her. So it was like, do I go and visit my father who had dementia and, and didn't really know? Or do I not go and see him but have to live with that? But at least then I've got my family who can be with me. Otherwise, I'm isolated for 14 days. Like, it's just unbelievable, the impact. And to actually be a nurse, you know, over in the UK or in India or anywhere or, you know, any health professional, any frontline, all of those, it must be, it's just something that is unfathomable really for what we've had and yet it's been bad enough here really. Yeah, and I don't think we've had the training to deal with it because we've never had to deal with something like this internationally before. So, yeah, I think there's probably a bit of a mental health crisis coming out the back of all this in the years to come. Yeah. And moving on to the mental stress. So when we start looking at the mental stress, we are constantly aware of what's going on with our patients. You know, we are the eyes and the ears for the medical staff. It's us that are there as the first responders when something happens. And the acuity of the patients we're looking after can have an impact on our mental stress. You know, some days we'll go in and our patient load will not be as high in acuity as other shifts. So this fast pace and evolving environment that we work in can have a big impact on our mental health as well. Totally agree. And many people have told me they actually have a fear of making a mistake. So within their work, you know, and of course, we're not talking simple little things, you know, a number not adding up, etc. It could be a really detrimental mistake that can happen. And you know, drug errors or missing a deteriorating patient or notifying soon enough or just any of those things can actually impact us. And I do know that there's many people that really worry about making a mistake and that's a burden that's operating in the back of their head all the time. Yeah, most definitely. And the higher the acuity, the higher the fear. Yeah. I think it depends on the environment that you're working in, doesn't it? And then the other part too really for me is that as a wealth and wellness coach and the reason I chose to actually use wealth as my coaching mechanism is because it's all about worth. And the thing that happens a lot in nursing I see is there's an attitude. We don't feel like we're really well rewarded for the work that we do. You know, there's always been that statement of you can go to Safeway and earn almost as much money. You know, not feeling valued for what we're worth, not being paid appropriately. You know, our doctors get paid a lot of money and that's a, that's appropriate, but the nurses aren't recognised because they, for a start, we're probably majority female and now female already gets 80 cents in the dollar and they bank on us having that compassion and that wanting to do the right thing by our patients and our teams. A bit what you were saying before about the health business model. But even though nurses will do that and won't really be able to stand together strongly when it comes to enterprise bargaining or, you know, with unions, 
they still don't feel as though they're being recognized, rewarded and appreciated for what they are doing. And so that lack of perceived value has an impact on who we think we are as a person. And how many people say to you, I'm just a nurse? That's exactly what I was going to wait to say. That was running through my head, that phrase of we all say, well, don't we, I'm going to get off the army of we, but I know I've been guilty of it in the past. It's like, I'm just a nurse. Like, no, I'm actually an educated health professional, you know, and we don't give ourselves enough credit for the roles that we, we play in, in our patients' lives and their yeah. care. Yeah. And once we start recognizing that actually we are really valuable, that you know, and sort of understanding that for ourselves, then that's when I notice in my work with the wealth um, coaching how different opportunities and things like that can come because not seeing the value of yourself impacts your confidence, impacts how you can speak up, impacts your just seeing your expertise and your value. And you know, that's another part of professional anxiety is if we're living week to week from our pay to pay and the only way we can see ourselves getting ahead is by doing another shift or working harder when we're already feeling exhausted or we've already been here the day before for 12 hours, you know, that all has an impact on it, on ourselves and on our anxiety levels too. Yeah, definitely. The financial stress is huge and as you said, you know, as nurses, we I don't think we get paid enough for what we do at all. And it does add a whole extra dimension to our stress because we're working really hard, you know, caring for our patients, giving them the best of ourselves most of the time. And we're still struggling financially. Yeah. And even, I mean, we work in a hierarchical nature. That's definitely true. But the fact of the income is part of the hierarchy, you know, and I think everyone in the, we've talked about this before, but everyone is part of the team and needs to be recognised as such. But it's true that the income level really is and that hierarchical nature of kick the one down below you can often happen. Yeah, it can do. And I think, you know, in all my career, when I think how much my pay has gone up since I qualified as a nurse 20 odd years ago, it's not that much. It's not nearly as much as what the inflation has over the last 20 years. So, you know, it's not representative at all. No, that's right. There's so many things that are causing this anxiety really when we unpack it like this that we don't give credit to and I do think it is having a big impact on our ability to function well in the workplace and to feel good about how we are and how you know how we treat each other. Yeah and that's why we are putting on our workshop on the 14th of August. We're going to be looking at professional anxiety, unpacking it even further and offering you a on a range of tools and techniques to help to overcome it and unleash your happiness. Yeah, exactly. And just understanding all of these things and perhaps where you're sitting now, but definitely by the end of the day, you will come away feeling so much better. But also my 
intention is, our intention is to have that greater understanding, greater awareness about why you compelled to do what you do in the, in the workplace and how you can have choices to actually change it. Because when we have a choice, that's coming from a position of empowerment, not feeling as though we're pushed and pulled and bullied and, you know, blamed for different things. And so, yeah, my, I'm really looking forward to running the workshop together with you. And we've worked together a little bit before in the past in lots of ways now. So I think it will be a wonderful day for everybody and everyone will come away with, you know, good knowledge, good self-reflection and also tools to be able to take away. Yeah, it's going to be a very empowering day. You can book the workshop through either myself or Lauren's website. The link will be in the show notes below. It's on Saturday, the 14th of August. Yay. Look forward to it, Cam. And it's worth six CPD points. Yes. Thank you for adding that. We need to get our 20 points or so, so or 20 hours. Yeah. All right. Thank you. It's been wonderful chatting to you again, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, Head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon and in the meantime remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.